All right, we roll into the second hour of the radio program. Gas Punk, the Feltulators here. Curtis Crabtree will join us uh, at the bottom of the hour as well. We'll continue to break down the draft. We'll get to the uh, Los Marineros in this hour uh, as well. Uh, we come via the Carter Volkswagen studio. But now, bring on another guest, Dane Brugler of NFLDraftScout.com, joins us on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline. Uh, we, uh, someone has said, Hey, we could get you Rob Rang. I'm like, I've never heard of Rob Rang. I want Dane Brugel. And we got Dane on today. <laughs> Hi, Dane. How are you? Doing well. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. We love Rang. You guys do such a great job over there at infieldraftscout.com. The, uh, I, for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I know a lot of our audience has the, the website, how you guys have it set up is, is just, it was invaluable, you know, for me. And I know everybody else here at the station leading up to the draft, but also, uh, this past weekend, so nice job with the uh, the website. A lot of great work. I, I'm sure right now you're like, boy, I could I could use a nap after all that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, first thing is just uh, you know make sure uh, my my wife and kids are still here. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was the first step, and then yeah, second step is uh, get some sleep and get started on that honeydew list, and then uh, get cranking on 2019. Oh, that's funny. What? Uh, give me the uh, the an overall view, Dane, from your perspective. Uh, on the Seahawks draft? Well, you know, obviously going into the day, um, you know, with uh, not having many top 100 picks uh, or going into the weekend with not many top 100 picks, uh, I, I think most would uh, most assume the Seahawks are going to try and trade back, get out of that pick uh, in the first round, uh, try and move back, gain more day two assets. And that's what they did. Um, taking Rashad Penny was a, was a surprise. I don't think many saw that coming. Um, even if they stayed at 18, that's what they say they would have done. Uh, and Rashad Penny's a good back. There's no question about it. I mean, you can't help but look at the production, what he did last year uh, at, at San Diego State with over 2,200 yards rushing, uh, over 7.8 yards uh, per carry, uh, what he did as a return man. Uh, you think he's going to get better as a receiver as well. Uh, the big issue I had with Penny was pass protection. Uh, he is below average in that area, and that's something that he needs to get better in uh, one thing that was encouraging was uh, when I've asked him about it, uh, he has told me, he's been up front. He said, yeah, I know I'm not very good in that area right now. I need to get better. And so, you know, it was at least optimistic that he identifies that he needs to get better. He didn't make excuses. And so he said he's doing uh, everything he can to work on that. That's the one thing missing from Penny's game that you kind of say could keep him from being a true three-down back. Let's remove for a second, because we want to ask you about this separately. Let's remove uh, uh, Michael Dixon from the conversation, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We've talked a lot about the upper half of who the Seahawks drafted in terms of rounds. What about down in the bottom, where they had a lot of picks, a lot of names, obviously some risk? Who jumps out at you? One or two guys maybe in the, in the fifth, sixth, and seventh round that they took that you might say, okay, Maybe this guy is uh, it was was right in the right slot, or maybe this guy bears watching as to what happens. Well, I think you look at Jamarco Jones from Ohio State, uh, a two-year starter at left tackle. The testing numbers do not look do not look pretty. Uh, he was a five-four in the forty-yard dash, uh, the vertical, the broad jump. They were not good numbers. The three cone was uh, awful. I mean, we talked about Orlando Brown from Oklahoma and his historically bad combine. If not for him, we would have been talking about Jamarco Jones, uh, 8-3-2 in the three-cone, I believe. But when you watch the tape, uh, it, it, it gets rough at times, but he gets the job done. And so, you know, the feet, uh, the body control, 
there are a lot of times where he's able to overwhelm his opponent, latch on, run his feet, and move the defender from the spot. Uh, he does a nice job just tying up rushers. So they might beat him, get him with that first step, but he counters, he reacts, and he does a nice job uh, locking down the corner. Uh, and you look at Ohio State, they've got a pipeline going right now, a left tackle uh, with some of the guys they've uh, they've put into the league. And I think Jamarco Jones in the fifth round, uh, outside the top 150 picks, uh, not a guy that's going to dominate, but he's going to find ways to keep the man occupied and that's the type of depth that you want and a type of guy that will eventually push for starting snaps. Uh, Dane Brugler is our guest uh, right now on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, works at uh, NFLDraftScout.com. You can follow Dane on Twitter, at DP Brugler. Uh, so do it right now. Great uh, wealth of knowledge uh, leading up to the draft and post-draft, too. And I'm sure he's going he's gonna to get, after the honey uh, the honeydew list, he's going to start getting working on the 19 uh, mm-hmm. mock draft. Uh Tyrell Crosby, I, I'm curious about him because we watched him here at Oregon, and I'm, I'll get to what, how this makes sense here with Seattle in just a second. What made him slip in the draft? Because he was taken uh, in that fifth round with the 153rd overall pick. I asked that because you know earlier in that in that round, they t- the Seahawks take a punter in Michael Dixon. One of the big storylines going into the draft was improving the running game for Seattle, uh, Dane and and they take a punter instead of a lineman. I'm curious about Crosby and why he fell. Yeah, I was surprised as well. I, I had a second-round grade on Crosby. Um, yeah, He won the, the Pac-12's Morris Trophy as the, the conference's top offensive lineman. Um, there's a lot to like about him. Not the best athlete, but he was flexible. He was strong. You love his finishing mentality. Uh, he offered position flexibility, right tackle, left tackle. You thought he could move inside the guard and be just fine. Um, he did miss all of two or most of 2016 with a foot injury, so I thought it might be that. But when I checked in with a few teams to ask about Crosby, what I got back was a little bit of uh, questions about you know football character and mm. uh, the passion mm. and how much was he going to love it day in day out um, and really put everything he had into it to be the best that he could and so. Um, not saying that, you know, he was lazy or anything like that, just that they questioned how much he really loved it. And, you know, in the NFL, if you don't love it, uh, then, you know, you, you might be, uh, you might not be able to stick around very long. And so that that was the feedback I got, which I had not heard much of up until, uh, we saw him start to fall. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because that kind of flies in the face, and who knows with all of this stuff. It, it, I, I always think that this stuff gets overanalyzed anyway. But this was a guy who kind of ended up where he began when, when, when everything first started. When, 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 when we started thinking about the draft right, right at the end of the season, he was projected down around there, for, and then, and everybody kept grading him up. Hey, everything you're hearing about this guy, he's getting better. Every, and, and yet then draft day comes and he boomerangs back around. It, it's interesting, isn't it, that you, that you see a guy that, that kind of took this full journey from fourth or fifth round guy up to some people projecting him as a second round guy and then back to fourth or fifth on the draft. Yeah, and the talent, I mean, when you break down his tape, I think you come away with more strengths than weaknesses uh, to his game because uh, more times than not, he gets the job done. He's a good-sized guy. He had over 35-inch arms. So I think the physical traits, you know, that's a check there. Uh, and then I mentioned the finishing mentality. Uh, he loves to use his hands, punch, reach, uh, control the point of attack. Uh, there are a lot of things that you like about him uh, that you thought, okay, well, you know, why, why wouldn't this uh, translate to a guy that's going to compete for starting reps in the NFL? 
Uh, so I, I do think that there must be something to it where, and then, you know, who knows? And that's where all of us on the outside, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have the ability to go to, uh, you know, these schools and talk to the coaches and the coaches are going to be very honest, uh, very blunt about maybe what they're doing in the weight room. Uh, you know, are they the first one, first one out uh, or last one out uh, at the facility? Are they putting in, you know, the practice time? Are they fully invested in the meeting rooms? You know, these are the type of conversations that, uh, you know, maybe we find about out about later that the scouts are doing. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that might be something that happened with Tyrell Crosby because the coaches, they want to keep a good relationship with the scouts. And so while they might sing, you know, the praises to the media about the player, they're going to be brutally honest with the scouts so they earn that trust and keep that trust. Shaquem Griffin, uh, Dane, you think that he was selected in the round in kind of the spot you, you thought he would be? I gave Griffin a fourth round grade, so I was a little surprised he lasted until the fifth. Um, I, you know, I we heard second, third. I thought that was a little far fetched. Uh, you know, great story, but um, you know, it, it's we're talking about you know the NFL where if there's a prospect who uh, you know we haven't we we don't see that's a little bit outside of the box. Usually, the NFL doesn't take uh, chances on those guys. You know, we saw it with like Puna Ford, uh, Big Twelve Defensive Lineman of the Year. But when you look at it, there are not many 5'11", over 300-pound players, uh, defensive linemen in the league, and that caused him to go undrafted. But still, it's a quality player. And with Shaquem Griffin, obviously, he has uh, the disability without the use of his left hand. Uh, But when you watch the tape, you just can't help but get excited about the play speed, the competitive nature. Uh, You love that uh, when you – it doesn't matter if you're watching the first quarter or the fourth quarter or overtime. It's the same play speed nonstop. I think he's the ideal sub-package player, a guy that you bring in certain situations to blitz. He can drop. He can cover both sidelines. And then, of course, on special teams, that'll kind of be his calling card uh, with his ability to you know, the play speed, the hitting ability. Uh, it, you know, it, teams are going to look at it, and you know, some are going to have immediately off their board. But for him to you know, last in the fifth round, I think Seahawks got uh, outstanding value at that point. You listed your five favorite teams in terms of just the overall draft for this year, and there are a couple. I mean, you know, the Bears at number one, and you know they've been they've been spinning their wheels a lot. The Jets, you know, seem like they're always in 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 kind of a struggle. The Cowboys are a team that's always trying to get get it going. Two teams that you've got in there, though, the Panthers and the Falcons, have both been at or near the very top of the league over the last few years. So if you're right about this, this looks like good teams really getting reloaded a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Atlanta, adding Calvin Ridley to that offense. I mean, we're already talking about one of the league's best passing offenses. So you add Calvin Ridley to the mix, uh, a wide receiver who's NFL ready right now uh, with Mohamed Sanu and Julio Jones. They lost Taylor Gabriel uh, to free agency. He went to Chicago. So Calvin Ridley is going to fit right away to me in that slot role. He can also play outside. I thought that was a great pick. They got Isaiah Oliver, the corner from Colorado, the second. Uh, Sanat, the defensive tackle from South Florida, the third. Uh, really good players. I thought they killed it. And then, yeah, Carolina, back to the receiver, DJ Moore. And I think Steve Smith uh, on the NFL Network broadcast said it best. Carolina has not been able to uh, kind of replace uh, Steve Smith's production until now. Uh, DJ Moore, you can't help but watch him and get Steve Smith vibes with just the way he plays the game. He's very physical. Uh, he's not the biggest guy. He's about six foot, 210 pounds, but uh, he knows how to get open before and after the catch. Uh, guys that can create after the catch are uh, at a premium, and I think DJ Moore can do that. They also got one of my, two of my other favorite players in the draft, Rashawn Golden, 
the corner safety from Tennessee. I think he's an ideal nickel player. And then Ian Thomas from Indiana uh, in the fourth round. I think he goes to a great situation where he can sit behind Greg Olson, uh, won't be pressing the action from day one. We'll be looking back at this draft in three years and wondering how Ian Thomas fell to the fourth round. Hey, uh, uh, Dane, last thing for you. What, uh, of the group in the NFC West, who helped themselves the most? Uh, well, I think you look at the 49ers. They did a nice job uh, getting a tackle uh, early. Uh, for the uh, you know Michael Galinci, I think a lot of people were surprised that he went that early. But if you don't have your tackle early, you're going to be left on the outside uh, looking in. And then I think they got really athletic uh, players on defense. Fred Warner from BYU, mm-hmm. and then Tavarius Moore from Southern Miss, one of my favorite players at that point in the draft. The corner safety, he's an elite athlete. Uh, but I think Tavarius Moore is going to be a name that we continue to hear more and more as he gains more reps and more experience. Dane, great stuff, man. Appreciate you, you coming on. Take a uh, take a breather, uh, lay down for a little <laughs> while, and then uh, join us next week and you'll break down uh, the 2019 mock draft. Sound good? Uh, looking forward to it, guys. Thanks. <laughs> there he is, Dane Brugler. I don't NFL. think he is. <laughs> no, he's not. not like he's looking forward he to that at all. He wants to find his wife. Uh, NFLDraftScout.com. He works alongside uh, Rob Rank. And, and trust me, if you, you want the best kind of information, the easiest place to find all of these guys. Because there's a bunch of different websites. I'm telling you, NFLDraftScout.com, it's just so easy how they have their tabs up there, immediately the position ranking. I'm going to it right now because I have a specific question okay, I want to get yeah, to. We I, didn't I, get to, to the uh, specifically on the, on the Michael Dixon story. but I, I, think, I know, and that's what I want. I want to go yeah. see where they have, you know, how do we get to the, 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 uh, the, you know, the player rankings. I want to see where Dixon it's, was. It's, I don't know. I think most people had him. He had to be the number one punter. Right? Well, he was definitely the number one punter. There, there's, there's no doubt about that. I just want to know what he does with the football that no one's ever been able to see or do before. That's uh, what I want to see. You got to have. I mean, is it legal what he's doing? You got to have Pete Carroll or John Schneider eyes to see that. They can't explain <laughs> it to mere mortals like us. I mean, yeah. the different things this guy could do with a football. My God, you'll, you'll just be blown away. You when don't you even see it. understand what he can do with a football. You can turn it into a chocolate cake, ass. Can we keep Ryan's wife? Because I mean, John Ryan seems like a nice enough guy, but his <laughs> wife is the one. What's her name? Sarah. She, she's a comedian. Uh, Sarah, she's very yes. funny. Yeah. Can we keep her? Uh, can she stay here if he has to go somewhere else? Hey, can you divorce John and just no, marry no, no, Michael? no. I, I don't want that. I, I don't want that at all. But he should not have to live where he works. Yeah, right. It's a crazy tenure when you think of John Ryan, and I know he's oh, he's just a punter. But John Ryan was a one. Of, he was a hell of a punter for the Seahawks and has been. He's been now. He stumbled last year. He just he had a bad year. Yeah, right. And, and you know, bad actually like last two years. But and he's going to see just at this point. I mean, I get why they did it. He's going to make too much money. Right, and this is right. what happens to everyone. You're going to save two million bucks, but uh, he was—he's the longest tenured player on the team. He predates Pete Carroll. He's the only guy on the roster, and and uh, you, you know, also stars in—I don't even know what it's for, but it's the best TV commercial. The roof on TV is it roofing? The roof commercial where he's holding a baseball bat, and they never really explain why, <laughs> which I love. I think that's fantastic. He's a punter, yeah. but he's holding a baseball bat. Odd. I guess it maybe because it runs during M's games. Maybe. I'm not sure. I, is it roofing? I think it's, it's a, a roofing ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? it's some kind of roofing. He owns thing. a baseball yeah. team. Now, see, they didn't blow their pick on J.K. Scott, that kid from Alabama. No, no, no. They took Michael Dixon, number one. Okay. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look here. And, then, and, and here's the thing. This is where they're running the risk, in my opinion. At, at, because Ooh, what, the Seahawks? Yeah. 
There is no, doesn't appear as if he did a three-cone test. Now, well, J.K. Scott of Alabama did do a three-cone test, as so they have data on that. They don't have data on Michael Dixon's three-cone, so we don't know if, if if at some point during a game there are three cones out on the field right. for reasons, you know, they've changed the rules or something. We don't know how this guy's going to Well, do. I think what will be interesting to see, and again, they got, it sounds like they got a fine football player, Michael Dixon, but a guy, again, I they've got a lot of their lines set. Like, and we've discussed that a lot. Like, all the, I mean, they have a starting left tackle, they got a guard, they have mm-hmm. a center, a right guard, right tackle. I mean, it just depends on who's really the only question mark is is it going to be a Fetty at right tackle or is it going to be George Fant? And for the first mm-hmm. time, Carroll acknowledged, I think, over the weekend that George Fant's going to compete at, at right tackle. But other than that, they're set. Mm-hmm. Now, you could make a good argument. Are they any good, though? Should, would it have not been wise to bring in more talent to try and compete? I just bring up because I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch Tyrell Crosby with Detroit. Sure. How does his career goes? If he, if he, what's more valuable to a football team? A guy who is a perennial starter at at a left a tackle position or a punter? I realize I'm I'm a broken record on this, but Tyrell Crosby will be one of my favorite stories to tell for years about how goofy all this over analysis is. For four months, all we heard from everybody is this guy's moving up. This guy's moving up. Look at him. He was he was going to be a fifth-round guy. When when we gave him the Morris Trophy, he was thought of as a fourth or fifth-round guy. I talked to Rob Rang that day. Rob's on the board. He, he was in fourth or fifth. Now, little by little, he's moving up. He's moving up. I, I would bet at least one person had him as a first-round projection or maybe a second-round. And then we hear, oh, well, no, there was a lot of questions about his – it's like, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Where was that? A week ago, you know, and maybe what what, know. what what Dale would say or Dane was saying there was, well, the scouts are not necessarily going to be as truthful with the draft analysis guys yeah, as they are with the teams or like yeah. the assistant coaches. Like a team's yeah. calling Oregon's assistant coach. Yeah. He's like, look, off the record between you and me, I'm not sure how passionate this kid yeah. is about yeah. football. Sure. They're not going to say that to a draft, you know, website. Yeah, Rang has got a good, he has a term for it. It's funny because he was telling me over the weekend about it, like, it's the the info that you'll see like mock draft guys come out with. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very different info than what the West Coast scout has on him right. or his, his thoughts on him. Right. That yeah, I mean, so there's he might have been this whole time that this is where he was supposed to go. I'm just yeah. gonna watch it to see you know, and guys that were drafted after him. Um, and I hope Michael Dixon succeeds, boy. I hope he's good because if he's good, yeah. then the, the and, Seahawks shouldn't be good. And and look, I don't care. You know, I don't get too hung up on round or where you're yeah. taking. You tell me I can have an Ohio State offensive tackle with any pick in the draft. I'll take that. I'll take sure. that chance. A, a guy who blocked in the Big Ten. I'll I'll go ahead and roll the dice that he might have a good professional I, career. I think the one thing, if you just look at it, and if you're going to be critical of of perhaps them coming out of the draft, it, it would just be, did they get enough? Okay, they only took one offensive lineman. You could say they took two def- defensive ends, but one of them they took in the sixth round. The chances that Jacob Martin makes the team is, is going to be probably a stretch. I think going into the draft, they wanted to improve the running game. I think but what they drafted, it looks like, well, certainly with Rashad Penny, they've improved the draft, uh, the running game. Did they address the uh, offensive lineup? Yeah, maybe not, and maybe they could have done a better job of, of addressing, which was, I think, probably the biggest need, was finding guys off the edge that can tackle that quarterback. Mm-hmm. So that would be the one, I guess, if you were going to give them a, a bad grade. 
No. Personally, what grade did you give them? Uh, I am. Uh, it's funny you should ask because we've been asking people all day, and and I I have not issued my grades yet because I've got to put up my last mock draft uh, and what I see happening. <laughs> but we asked uh, the poll question today, and we got a lot of a lot of heat with this, and, and it's actually kind of interesting. The NFL draft is over, but the analysis is just beginning. We're analyzing the grades that people who graded the draft gave to the Seahawks. What grade would you give the grades given by the graders? Is our poll question today? Ten percent would give the graders. An A for the grades they gave. Perfect. Uh, 38%, the lead is B. They give the graders a B. Uh, 26% say C and 26% say F. Now, again, you're grading the graders that gave grades to the Hawks here. It's perfect. So the majority of people think the graders did a pretty good job grading right. the Nice Hawks. job, graders. Good job, graders. Way to go, graders. Just vote and at Gasman206. We'll find out what grade Curtis Crabtree gave the team. We'll do it next. In the Gas Man on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR, entertaining sports talk. Hi, welcome back to the radio program. Look at the handsome young fella sitting across from us, Gas. That is Curtis Crabtree, our Seahawks Mariners reporter. Reports on everything around around town. You can follow him at Curtis underscore Crabtree. He's a tired pup. He has been no. at it for like four straight days. Can I tell you what I just said to Curtis before you walked in? You were talking, you were race race car well, talk. Well, we got on race car talk because I looked at Curtis, and, and Curtis knows I love him. I think he's really terrific at what he does. I said, you know, i got to be honest, I'm out of draft questions. I got no more draft questions. Curtis, Curtis says, we don't have to talk about draft. We can talk about it. And then what was it? What race was it? Oh, I mentioned the race in Baku, Azerbaijan, yeah. last night that I watched up until late which is why I'm so wiped out. <laughs> Here's the thing about F1, yeah, and Curtis so knows good. a lot more about it than I do. So I'm more good. of a, a NASCAR. He's in a fan. Are you guy? still doing fantasy F1? No, God, no. You were? It was just me and my roommate well, still. dorking around. The they, him and his roommate fantasizing. <laughs> um, here's the thing about that sport. You said things. I mean, yeah. <laughs> to be good at that sport, to be good at F1, when you think about it, because there's no, there's no other sport like it in terms of every week or every other week, whenever they race, you're in a different country, Different culture, different, yeah. different everything. There's no other sport like right, Curtis. There's yeah. no other sport like there are sports. Certainly, golf travels occasionally, tennis, tra- but this is every single event is in a different country, different language, different. You know, it's it's to me. I'm not a huge F1 guy, but it it's something when you're good at that, right? I mean, that, you got to overcome a lot. It's tough travel. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> all sports have tough travel in some regards, like the Mariners and the schedule that they have to do every year is difficult and. Any team from the NFL that has to go play in London is going to be rough and those sort of things. But, mm-hmm. yeah, F1's a little unique on that. What draft pick uh, would make the best Formula One driver? Well, the, the punter, speed, right? right? Yeah, well, it's, well, it's the about punter. speed, so it would probably be the running back. Oh, yeah. Well, they got to fit in that small Wait, car. What's the tallest F1 driver? Yeah, There's a good question. There. Uh, There's been guys uh, over six feet probably tall. Probably Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah, right yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I'm you, going punter. I'm thinking the Dixon guy. Maybe this is what they're talking about. He's so versatile. He can. Well, there are he, he can Australians punt. That, that have won races recently. Yeah. Were, were you? Were you not? He clearly is is the best punter in the draft. Were you surprised though that they spent no. a fifth round pick? No, there was three. There was two more punters that went in that round, and another one in the sixth after that. Their punters started to go. There was a run on punters. <laughs> like a fantasy draft, <laughs> man. A run on so, punters. Um, but I like what Hugh said earlier. Is like, yeah, I mean, if if you would have told me over the weekend they would have traded up to get a punter in the fifth round, what did he say? That's like something I never would have thought I would come out of their mouth. Uh, well, I mean, I think you guys were asking a question last segment. Um, the NFL draft scout ratings that your last guest Dane and uh, yeah. Rob Rang collaborate on had him as a third round projected yeah. pick. Yeah. So yeah, um, I don't think it was any. 
look, look, I, I, I like the pick. Like this, that guy can play for you for ten plus years. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, there's value right. in that. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't see any issue with it. And I, I mean, I, people want to talk about they didn't take an offensive lineman until after. Well, look, we talked about how, how often did we talk about it last re, uh, recent weeks that there isn't exactly a starting job open outside of right tackle. Mm-hmm. They've mm-hmm. got four of their five spots pretty well written down in pen at this point in time with, with Dwayne Brown, Ethan Posick, Justin Britt, and DJ Fluker. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there was going to be a ton available there anyway. So you're main, and, and they're, you know, at least encouraged by the depth that they have with, with Jordan Roos and um, George Fant and Reese Odiambo to some extent and want to see what they look like under a new coach. So there was not going to be a ton added to the line during the draft. It just wasn't going to happen. How much did they jump up to pick the punter? How many picks? Oh, not many. It was, um, I think they went from 156 to 149, so seven spots. So somebody was taking him, though. They knew somebody, or, or somebody deked him into thinking they were going to take either way, but they're like, hey, you know what? We want this guy. Sure. Let's and, go. And you traded one of the final 10 picks in right. the draft to do it. Like, who cares? Right. Like, I, I, I don't see the big deal in it. Yeah. Um, who do you, of, of the entire group, who is the, the one guy that just, you know, so far, you've, you've digested this now over the weekend, uh, that, that you're most intrigued about, like the most? Oh, is it this fairly obvious well, that it's Shaquem Griffin? Well, it well that's that's interesting in its own right. Uh, the thing is, I like the draft class, yeah. so I like a lot of them. I like Will Disley. I think that's a really good fit for him. I like Rashad Penny. I think he's a great, really impressive running back from college and did a lot of great things at San Diego State. I like the punter. I think that's going to be a really cool thing to watch. So, and then obviously Shaquem Griffin added to that is going to be. Uh, you know, its own really interesting story. Sure. In some regards, Alex Alex Magoo too. The last the quarterback they took in the seventh round, the second quarterback they've taken their entire tenure here. There's there's interest in seeing what he can do. So, I don't know if there's one that really jumps off the page at me and says that's the one guy I want to watch. I think there's several guys that are going to be really intriguing that it can help them this year. Right, Magoo is the interesting is, is because again you you can't I just like saying Magoo. Well, I love saying Magoo. <laughs> I love the idea of everybody dressing up like Mr. Magoo to go to games. Uh, we, you can't always hang this on everybody, but again, you look at the Hasselbeck was a sixth-round pick, I think. Uh, Brady was Brady sixth Brady or seventh. Was, yeah, same pick Luke Falk just got taken, 199 overall. Right, so you know th- this this idea that guys can come out of that, you know, you think, ah, so what they do. Well, maybe he's going to be somebody down the road. You just never know. You, you don't know. Um, one thing that Schneider said that was at least interesting was that Butch Davis like couldn't stop singing the praises of the guy, and that, mm-hmm. that, that was his coach at FIU. So, mm-hmm. um you know, and Butch Davis has NFL experience as well, and and at least there there's something at least intriguing about him in that regard. So he's coming off a collar broken collarbone from their bowl game, um, which I think is uh, you know something to at least keep an eye on. But they saw enough interesting in him to to bring him in, and it'll be fun to see how that plays. Going out. Going back to the the the, the punting situation, because you you know more about his contract situation uh, than than any of us. The John Ryan, if they were to cut him, they would save what? Uh, they, I think I'm trying to remember. Like a, isn't a couple million? Man. I think it's somewhere around three. Okay. Uh, I want to say that they'd take 1.7 million of a dead, dead, uh, dead money cap hit, but they would still save, I want to say two point. There's no way he's on the team. I mean, they drafted a guy in the fifth round. Well, can you, can you think of a, a possibility? They draft this guy in the fifth round and yet they go into the season with John Ryan still on the roster. Yeah. Michael Dixon, Malik McDowell's. Or well, comes out and well, he's Australian. There's always a chance of well, uh, some yeah. type of ATV well, or doom buggy. Or comes out and um, looks like Roberto Aguayo is a punter, and something really. I mean, <laughs> ah, you're right. It, 
it can happen, but I, I think the likelihood of that yeah. coming along. They, they, is they're, I'm going to tell you, their their past draft history, they need him to be legit because if he's not, they're going to get they're going to get killed. Well, if they if him. if this if he's not and the rest of the draft class is okay, people will eventually forget about it. If he's not and the rest of this draft class is no good. He's going to be the bell cow around which all well, the critics has, hang. Has Johnny Hecker not given Seattle fits no. as a punter in no, his but, own right with the Rams? But Gas's right. point is yeah. spot on, though. If, if if this group, which their groups here last recently have struggled, mm. if this group struggles again, sure, and he, sure. I and bet he's specific, and yeah. if, but, yeah. but if he's one of them and is not and he can't beat out John Ryan, then people are going to be like, yeah. okay, they've lost their way. Yeah. Right. Uh, like I said, the the chances of Michael Dixon not being on the roster in favor of John Ryan are are small. Sure, uh, you, but there there's obviously a couple scenarios. Do you know what else he can do with a ball that apparently none of us know? Uh, well, I think he can aware kick it to where it spins multiple directions. You kick uh, the point of the ball and so forth to get it to spin a different direction cool. to where it wow. can stop and stuff like that. I think th- those are the things that he's speaking to. Okay, I mean beyond that, I don't know. I mean, Australian yeah. rules football means you're kicking the ball like a passer would throw it. Like right. you got to lead guys, so you got to know how to kick it on a level to where you're basically leading a guy out ahead and different trajectories and stuff. So it's like flighting your eight iron down. Fuck, yeah. you know, he's, he's I, very I, good. I can't do that. Yeah. I, I will say, having been to an Aussie rules football game yeah. once in my life. I'm astonished it's never caught on anywhere else because it's so fun okay. and so exciting. And since it's Australia, you can bet on the game you're watching oh. right down below. You get your beer and you God get your meat America. pie and you put a bet on the game. <laughs> Did you go meat pie? Oh, yeah, sure God, I love pie. a good meat pie. Meat pie. Think of how many Australian kickers we've seen come over and be punters. Right. I mean, from back with, what was it, Darren Bennett with the, the Chargers to yeah. Sav Rocca, who uh, Michael Dixon mentioned on his conference call, mm-hmm. to Brad Wing, I believe, is Australian as well. There's been a number of guys that have done it. And, mm-hmm. you know, because of the background in that game and rugby and so forth that they've found success in being able to do so. Just to be clear, and I know you mentioned this earlier, and some of the national media will screw this one up, and I always get it. Trey Flowers is going to be a cornerback. He's a cornerback. He's a cornerback. He's, a cornerback. God, he's a huge cornerback, He's man. a very, yeah, 6'3", 202, I believe is what he was listed at, and with arms oh. just a tick under 34 inches. Yeah. I mean, that is their prototypical size sort of quarterback cornerback ratio. So uh, the only reason I brought it up earlier when, when we were in with the roundtable mm-hmm. is the fact that you had at least two or three of the uh, draft grade analysts I saw blasting them for not drafting a cornerback. They they, right. they 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 did draft a quarterback. Yeah. You weren't paying attention, right? Right. So you know that's that's just makes you chuckle. Um, anything else stand out from the draft to you? Um, at, just at in large general, or, just in, Seahawks at large, yeah. Um, the fact that so many running backs went early this year, I think, was interesting. I mean, Shift in philosophy in the league? Oh, I think it was just, I think it speaks more so to this group of running backs being a little bit better than it collectively as, as you've seen in a while. Um, I think that's part of it. Um, obviously, the, for the five quarterbacks going in the first round, um, you can question. I think Josh Allen's going to be a problem for Buffalo, and they had to trade up to go get him. But I, I think Josh Rosen in Arizona could be a really good fit for him. Hmm. Um, I, I like Rosen. I, I I think the the red ass that he's got a little yeah bit sure he's got a lot of it yeah. I I love all, all the quarterbacks have a little quirk there there isn't yeah. nerd quarterback among the five of them they all have a little personality to them yeah so I I think you know I think that's interesting um and as I mentioned at the end of the the roundtable earlier just um I, I don't envy Russell Wilson seeing Von Miller and Bradley Chubb um no right out of the gates in week one that could be a little bit difficult. 
to handle. Uh, Hugh, early when we had Hugh on, did you listen to the Hugh interview? Early, we actually were down here napping. Yeah, I, just, I wasn't asleep. Well, you were you were slightly just, asleep. Nobody no, naps when Hugh Millen's talking, yeah. pal. Nobody who knows anything naps when Hugh's on the air. He used the word mesomorphic. Okay. Do you know what that means? Uh, I would assume sort of shifting in like properties. Yeah. Pertaining to or having a muscular or sturdy body. A build characterized by the relative prominence of structures developed from. Okay, I was off. Hughes on I was another level. Metamor- <laughs> I was thinking metamorphic, not mesomorphic. Hughes, Hughes looking for the fifth dimension. <laughs> he is looking for. The I, fifth I mean, he's dimension. wondering why everybody still is stuck in the third when he, he found the fourth he's, years ago and is now looking for. You the fifth. would probably know what it meant. He's like, well, I think it's mesomorphic. I, I think that's the word. I, I mean, I'm no I'm, idea. I like you. I have no. You're asking me. I got no clue. Hey, well, you guys will like this, the legendary yeah. time, and, and, and I got destroyed by my old co- my old partner when, when I said, oh, yeah, uh-huh, the time Feinstein brought up the stimp meter, and I'm like, well, yeah, right, uh-huh, and I'm like, the stimp meter? Are you, I mean, you I buy, both would be okay I, I with it. I know exactly what it is. I'm I, sure yeah, you do. Do yeah. you think I had any clue well, I, what I the worked, stimp meter I was? I worked on a golf course maintenance staff for a summer yeah. up at Suquamie Ridge. I'm Feinstein, well aware of what it is. Feinstein yeah. brought it up like it was a quarter oh, pounder sure. with cheese. Well, you know, the stimp meter. I'm like, yeah, right, of course. Of course, course the stint meter. Everyone. Well, what is it rolling at? 13? <laughs> of course. Yeah, I did 220, 221. <laughs> I had no idea. And still don't. I'm, I I, I kind of oh. know what the stint meter does because oh. I, I didn't after that, but I, oh. you know, come on. I'll explain it to you during the break. I, I, I'm looking forward to the break. <laughs> God bless you. Uh, great work this weekend. You were Thanks. all over it. Nice job. Uh, get some sleep. What, what what What's the next important Seahawks date? Hang on a minute. Why is everybody who covered the draft have to get some sleep? Was it that much work? Well, it's long. Uh, 13, 13 hours. 14 day, I think hours. On Saturday. Yeah, yeah, but you got yeah. some sleep that night, didn't you? Oh, that really? night. A little bit. He's got a right, though. He's got. You didn't get up to watch races in the middle of the night in some other part of the world. Yeah. I, I kind of, well, sort that's of. true. I mean, <laughs> that, that's a fair point. You didn't have to watch the race. Well, I, I, I watched it on my own time, yeah. but yeah, yeah, okay. still. But, yeah. uh, you did a great job. Find uh, uh, Curtis's work up at sportsradio, kjr.com. When's the next important day for the Seahawks? Well, their rookie minicamp starts Friday. Starts Friday. There so we, you'll be out there? That's, I Can will you be out, out there? there. That's all. Yeah, that's uh, only rookies. So draftees, undrafted free agents, guys that don't have a, a year of accrued service time. And if I hear your class. first report, Michael Dixon doesn't look good. I'm going to be drinking uh, heavily. Okay, that's wonderful. I, I, I'm assuming he's going to kick a ball through a window. At there this we point go. In time. Uh, all right, Los Marineros, they're red hot. We'll break it down next. Now back to Puckett and the Gas Man on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR, entertaining sports talk. All right, we've uh, we've waited long enough. I know we did. The NFL draft, we had to wrap it up and a bunch of storylines uh, coming out of the draft. But, man, the story of the weekend, the story God, has man. been the Los Marineros and the ass-kicking that they're doing to the Cleveland. They own the Cleveland Indians. I, I, what a I great had, series. What a great road trip for uh, Seattle. I had something happen yesterday that I don't think has ever happened to me in all the years living up here because we've all got these funny stories about you'll walk into a sports bar and go, uh, did you put the Mariners game on? Well, oh, what channel is it on? Yeah, no. yeah, it's like. So we were, we're coming home yesterday, and I, and I want to stop and watch the second half of the Pacers-Cavs game. We stopped at a place called the Oasis in Squim. Very, okay. Really cool little place. Walk in, every TV in the joint's on the Mariners yeah, game. I'm like, here go. you go. And I, we found one over in the corner. I said, could you put the NBA game on? And they were very good. Yeah, put it on right away. But sure. I was like, it was kind of interesting to walk into a place and go, well, look at this. How about this? It's one of my, uh, we were when we were over in Kennewick for the, uh, the Washington State 8-year-old mm-hmm. uh, gymnastics championships, we went into a place. And that uh, you know when you ask that was whatever basketball game it was, and I was like, can you uh, can you switch it you know to to the basketball game? They had it on a replay of the Mariners, mm-hmm. and you know the look on their faces. I, no, do restaurants should employ just a person that their only job is to know how to 
change the channels on a TV. And what's what? And where are the sports channels? What's what? It's not that hard. Okay. And that's all they do. Uh, can we get Gary? Gary, we need the uh, Rockets and uh, Timberwolves uh, playoff game. I know that's that. It's uh, six out of every two. There you go. I'm in a place, uh, a place we all know, and I'm not going to name them. Uh, uh, recently, and the NHL playoffs are on, and they've got the NHL network on, which is showing a game from the night before. And I'm like, "Hey guys, uh, you know, uh, and well, no, I think this is a, no, no, no. This game actually happened yeah. yesterday, and so yeah. Anyway, so the Mariners, unbelievable. It, great, it's great it's so fun to see what's going on, and now now a real interesting week. You know, and you, you hate to do if thens in baseball because baseball can spin around on you sure. like a Tyrell Crosby draft placement. And all of a sudden, you're like, what happened? But if the M's can keep this going a little bit into this Angels series, and if the Angels, let's say they sputter a bit against the Orioles, the Angels come up here. It's not like you're going to end the season, but if the Angels come up here and you pop them a few times, maybe you put them in the rearview mirror for a few weeks. Not have to worry about them. I think it's a foregone conclusion, everybody, that, well, the Astros are going to win the West and the Angels are going to finish second. Well, all of a sudden, the Mariners are second. The Angels are sputtering. I think they've lost 7 out of 10. Let's say they keep sputtering. Again, I'm not saying it'll all be over. But it, it, it takes a little heat off, and you go, okay, good. Let's let them flail around down there well, in third or fourth place we're talking for a while. about the, the, talking about this earlier, I mean, I think what they did in this series, okay, they beat Clevenger, Carrasco. Okay, so now the all they won three out of four against Cleveland, and correct me if I'm wrong, they they had a pitching disadvantage in every one of the games. Yeah, I mean, I would I say I mean, from a statistical yeah. standpoint, yeah. they had a disadvantage in, in all of them, in every single one of those games. And I just think that, okay, other than – other than the Marco versus Tomlin matchup to yesterday, okay, from a, a statistical standpoint, you would say Marco had a had the advantage, but that's that's about it, you know. And you know they beat Kluber in the first series of the year, the first game of the year. Now mm -hmm. they lose to him this second time. That was the only game they lost. But I, I don't know. I, I just think with the way that their offense can play, the fact is, and everyone talks about the same thing. Well, they're not you know, number nine hitter last night. He's hitting, you know, two home runs in Ryan Healy. The fact is, they took three out of four against this group. They were seven and three on the road trip. That this just offense is legit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I and I know I know most people realize that, but some, you know, the the Debbie Downers are like, wow, their their pitching is going to come come around and haunt them. Then now they've got issues with their pitching, and and they need. It's probably not sustainable all year long, to put up some of the numbers they are with their starting pitching. That they're going to eventually need these guys to get into the seventh inning and give them some more quality. I think they're 13th or 14th in the American League right now in quality starts. I mean, that that needs to improve. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We've talked about it. And the number one guy who's got to improve with is Paxton. Absolutely. He's got to start absolutely. getting. He's got to start taking control of that number one job, which is his for the taking. Mm -hmm. And, again, it doesn't matter as much after opening day, but in terms of what we think of as our top-of-the-rotation guy, he's got to take that thing. So it was just awesome. Mitch Hanniger is, is – is unbelievable. I almost swore right there. He is so much fun to watch play well, the game a bit. Gary Hill, the old great uh, Gary Hill, we had on the program, uh, what, about a week ago. 10-game road trip for uh, for Mitch Hanniger. He came up with these stats today. 385, 432 on base percentage, slugging percentage 1.026. He had six home runs, five doubles, 12 RBIs, 15 hits, and 10 runs on the road trip. And, and you know what he offered to do? This hasn't been reported yet. I've got an exclusive. Nobody uh, knows this. 
He offered, and, and service wouldn't let him do it, and frankly, it, it irritates me. He offered to run through the tunnel from Jacobs Field into the arena and see if he could help the Pacers against, sure. against the Cavs. He said, hey, uh, I, I got, look, Skip, I got a few minutes here. You want me to go over? I might be able to put a body on LeBron for a few minutes and slow that train down for the Pacers, all, and they wouldn't let him do it. All we asked for these guys was to just get off to a good start. Don't bury yourself in the in the first you know month and a half of the season. Right. Don't don't put yourself behind the eight ball. And right now they're sitting here at sixteen eleven, and they just they have given themselves enough wiggle room. Did you see the tweet from uh, from Akita Alex SSN on Twitter comparing Giancarlo Stanton to Haniger? Yeah. I mean, he's just obliterating him in yeah. every category. It's 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 amazing what he's been able to do. I mean, he is with healthy if healthy. Uh, you're talking about this guy is one of the best. I mean, honestly, he's one of the best baseball players right now, right now, playing uh, in the American League. And, and, and you know, the other thing is every day that passes by, as they keep winning, they can continue to just kind of go like this in terms of Ichiro. What are you, what are you complaining about? No, you no, they need, the to get rid of Who it. Cares? they need to get rid of it this week. It Who needs cares? to happen this well, week. Well, but if it, but if they keep it, winning, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. How? <laughs> because if they're winning, if they're going to win seven out of the next ten, it doesn't he matter. He doesn't belong on the roster, guys. I, I don't disagree with that, but I think they can go, what do we care? We, hey, we'll keep the guy well, around. Well, someone's trying to keep Heredia down on the farm because they keep hitting him. Maybe Ichiro should have gone over to the quick and loads arena been, yesterday. The Pacers needed somebody to slow down LeBron. He's been what hit. do you think the look on LeBron's face would be if he looked up and Ichiro comes into the game in a Pacers uniform and leans against him? Maybe well, he, he could, maybe he could defend him. Uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, so I don't, that will be a storyline this week. Is is I guess people assume that Ichiro something will happen with Ichiro this week. Um, just happened to be it, lucky how it worked out. Shohei Otani will pitch against the Mariners. He's going to have his start uh, tomorrow. He was scheduled to start tomorrow. He won't pitch tomorrow. He sprained his ankle on Friday. Mike Sosha said yesterday he will pitch against the Mariners. I assume it's Friday. So you want to go out and watch a spectacle, which will be Friday. A Shohei Otani uh, looks like he'll pitch Friday against the Mariners. I would assume that Ichiro would be in the lineup. So if they're going to – I would assume this would be the last home stand for Ichiro, but we'll, we'll find out. This will uh, this will be a storyline through uh, throughout the week. All right, coming up next, Lunch with Listeners, brought to you by the Other Coast Cafe. Uh, we'll dip our toes back in the NFL waters. Also, it's open to you. You can talk about the Mariners and their red-hot start and them coming home, and if you want to go out there and support them, thumbs up, thumbs down on the draft. Also, a Mariners stock. We'll get back into the Mariners also uh, coming up at 1230. When I say-